Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. is a word that just basically means short sermon. So Merry Christmas to the kids. <laughs> my passage uh, that I'm going to read for my homily this evening comes from Matthew chapter 1. You're welcome to turn there if you'd like or just listen in. It's an unconventional passage. You'll see why, but I'm going to read the first 16 verses. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asaph. Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. Joram, the father of Uzziah. And Uzziah, the father of Jotham. And Jotham, the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetil, and Shetil, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, Abiud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadak, Zadak, the father of Achim, Achim, the father of Eliad. Eliad, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Mathan, and Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we turn to a passage that to many of us may seem like there's nothing to reveal here, this is your inspired word, and so I pray Uh, that you would show us how there is glory even here in a list of names. Open wide the scriptures to us. Speak to us this Christmas Eve evening. I pray for um, those here who are struggling that you would lift them up. I pray for uh, the doubtful that you would um, encourage their faith, strengthen their faith. I pray for the wandering that you would bring them home to the fold. I pray for the lost that you would find them. Pray for your children that you would encourage their hearts. Thank you, Jesus, that you have come. 
and you have changed the genealogies because you have. We pray in your name. Amen. A few, sir, I got to be careful with that tonight. <laughs> a few sermons ago, I, uh, I shared a classic story from my seminary days, and, and Mark reminded me of another one. He said I had to share again, and it actually fits our passage this evening. So let me introduce things with another classic one from the file. I think I shared this many years ago, but most of you haven't heard it. I'm in seminary in St. Louis driving home for Christmas break. I get caught in a snowstorm, and I do mean snowstorm. Could barely uh, manage to get off the interstate onto an exit. I slide into a random Indiana hotel parking lot, and it's full of stranded holiday travelers. I go to the desk, ask for a room. I get the last room available. And just as they're handing me the key, this couple walks in. I could tell by their countenance they were exhausted, sad, angry, all the emotions. They come to the front desk. They ask for a room. The hotel tells them, so sorry, we just gave out our last one. And the woman starts to cry. The guy says to the employee, you don't understand. We just got married. This storm has ruined our honeymoon. You have to have a room for us. The hotel said, sorry. No room in the end. I'm hearing all this transpire, feeling awful for this couple. And so I say, excuse me, couldn't help but overhear. Um, I actually just got the last room, and it has two beds. <laughs> I am not making the story up. You're welcome to one of them. Brothers and sisters, you may think you know awkward. (laughs) Have you ever tried to fall asleep in a cheap hotel room next to newlyweds you just met? (laughs) And what was I supposed to say? You know, good night, don't let the bug bugs bite. (laughs) Which would be appropriate in this hotel. There were were bed bugs, I'm sure. I had no idea how to break the tension, uh, but I had to. It was just so awkward. So this is what I came up with. I just said... Merry Christmas. And she just starts weeping. And Mark brought them up, and and we were laughing about that story, but I, I often think of them. How many times have they told that story? How many times have they thought of me? It's just so weird to have random couple out there. Who are they? Where are they? I don't know. And yet we share this crazy, unforgettable connection. And this is actually a good way to approach the genealogies of Scripture. You've come across them before as you've tried to read through the Bible. Just a list of random, obscure names. And yet, what I want us to see is that we actually share a profound connection with every single one of them. Our stories now intersect. We share a connection with every name I just read because we share in one name, the name of Jesus. An event happened that brought us all together in the most unlikely of ways. And this is what I want to briefly explore together this evening. Matthew's gospel announces the birth of the Messiah with a genealogy of the Messiah. And I want to ask of this genealogy to share share with us three things 
this evening. It's going to speak to our sinfulness, our significance, and our successfulness. Let's start with sinfulness. So as we turn to these names, we must resist the temptation to venerate them. One of the most compelling things about Scripture, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you should read it and see what it does with the heroes of the Bible. One of the most compelling things about it is that it does not hide from the profound failures of its characters. So consider, for example, the heroes that we do know something about in this list. Father Abraham, the great patriarch of our faith. Well, when God promised to him that he was going to make him the father of faith, he fell down in laughter, mocking the power and faithfulness of God to his face. He was a man who cowardly prostituted his own wife, not once but twice, to save his own skin. What about Abraham's grandson, Jacob? You know what the name Jacob means? Deceiver. And he lived up to that name by lying to his father, stealing his brother's birthright, and by this manipulation became the father of 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel. The nation of Israel was founded upon the deception of Jacob. Beaten up on the men, let's turn to a familiar female name. Now, what about Rahab? Here's an example to follow, right? Single-handedly aiding the nation of Israel and the defeat of Jericho. All awesome, and we can't deny the truth that she earned her living as a prostitute. Okay, but what about the great King David? A man after God's own heart who abused his power to force himself upon Bathsheba and then had her husband murdered in a cowardly cover-up attempt. Friends, these are the names before us. And I'm thankful for that. Because if we are honest with ourselves, truly honest, then we have to admit that we share commonality with these failures. I am willing to admit I belong on this list of sinners. But there is nowhere else I would rather be. Because this list of sinners ends with the birth of a Savior. The Scriptures uncomfortably lay bare the shameful lives of its heroes to prepare the way for Scripture's true hero. A few verses later, we are given undeniable clarity to the significance of this child's birth. Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this talk about the true meaning of Christmas. Friends, it's not complicated. This world is full of sinful people. Yes, beautiful, but also profoundly sinful. And these beautiful yet sinful people cannot save themselves. They need a Savior. Well, in this child, God graciously accommodates this most fundamental need of spiritual salvation. If this list ends in verse 15, we have before us a sad lineage of lost sinfulness, but it doesn't. Jesus is born, a Savior is born, and with that, a genealogy of sin and shame turns into a magnificent lineage of salvation, and a lineage you too can be a part of. When you consider the story of your life, I know it's not the story you wanted. So many failures, so much regret, so burdened by guilt and shame, and yet your story can be rewritten by Jesus. 
Your name can be on this list. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care what you've done. This salvation has been tested by generations and found sufficient every time. If it can handle this people, it can handle you too. You can join the generations united to Jesus the Savior and find a forgiveness where there once was failure. Okay, next let's consider what this says about our significance. All right, be honest with me. When I started reading our passage, I'm waterless tonight. When I started reading our passage, you started thinking, is he really going to read this whole thing? And then why did I invite my friend tonight? I get it. It's just a bunch of obscure names. Sure, there are a few recognizable ones, but can I preach a Christmas Eve sermon on Jeconiah and Shealtiel? No, I can't. Because we don't know anything about Jeconiah and Shealtiel. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing those right. No preacher does. They just say it with confidence and you believe them. <laughs> Listen, your boredom with a passage like this and the genealogies of Scripture is understandable. Nothing but names. But I want to suggest that's the beauty of passages like this. Because not only are these people sinful like you, they are ordinary like you. How's that for a Christmas Eve message? Merry Christmas, you are ordinary. Well, ordinary, if this list didn't end with the extraordinary, what we have before us are normal people whom Jesus delighted to identify himself with. Who are these people that they should be invited into the Messiah's story? I will tell you who they are. They are the unimportant whom Almighty God views as profoundly important. Forgotten of the world, yet famous in the heavens. C.S. Lewis says, Some believe the fundamental thing is what we think about God, but it is not. How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. The promise of glory is the promise that we shall actually find approval from God, that we shall please God. We will be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work or a father delights in his son. The birth of Jesus is a profound declaration of God to his people saying, I notice you. Sure, many of these names are unknown to us and certainly to the rest of the world, but who cares? They are known to God. And at the end of the day, this should be our chief concern. Does God notice me? Does God see me? Does God want me? Does God love me? Christmas answers these questions with a resounding yes. God sees you and he loves what he sees. So to all you normal people, perhaps this evening very lonely people, rejected people, to you who are close to collapsing beneath the weight of insignificance, behold, as verse 15 gives way, the insignificance of 15 verses gives way to the eternal significance as forgotten names are forever united to the name that is above all names. And again, I say to you, your name can be on this list too. The invitation of eternal significance and heavenly fame is before you. Unite your name to the name of Jesus and discover the approval, dare I say, admiration of Almighty God. 
Okay, we dealt with our sinfulness and significance. Let's conclude with the issue of successfulness. When you look at this genealogy, uh, you're going to find varying degrees of worldly success. You're going to see people with massive success like Abraham, David, and Solomon. And then there are those whom we have no idea what accomplishments they had, if any. But you know what is true of all of them? They were all like grass and their glories like the flowers of the field and the grass withers and the flowers fell. Whatever wealth they created, whatever fame they gathered, whatever success they achieved, it is all the same now because it is all gone. And this too hits close to home, doesn't it? Surely you have had those what is the point of it all reflective moments. Is there any purpose to life if all that we do will one day be forgotten and lost? The question of purpose that everyone here faces is no small question. The youth among us certainly have the zeal to do something significant with their lives, but you are increasingly cynical about the actual possibility of making a difference in the world. That is a very real issue for the rising generation where I sense a pervasive, cynical hopelessness of the way things are. And then the older among us look back on life with nostalgia but are haunted by the thought that what you have done may not even survive past your grandchildren. Well, again, Jesus transforms this. The list ends with the coming of Jesus and with his birth, the lives of these men and women suddenly become infinitely successful. These are the ones who brought Jesus, the hope of humanity, into the world. What an honor, what a privilege, what an impact to be able to say that the Messiah came through me. Yes, their worldly wealth and accomplishments are buried beneath the ruins of history, but every single name on this list, great or small, in the eyes of the world, every name can forever say, God used my life to save the world. Now, the obvious question for us is that the Messiah has already come. That's great that they get to say that, but how is that supposed to apply to me here in 21st century Lexington, Kentucky? Well, the Messiah has arrived, but the full effect of his arrival has yet to come to bear upon this world. In a moment, we will sing that Christmas was the dawn of redeeming grace, the beginning chapter, not the final chapter. So in a very real sense, Christ is still coming into this world and he is coming through the lives of his following. We must reimagine our definitions of success. I can't promise you that your money will last. I can't promise you that your possessions will last. I can't promise you that you will be remembered throughout the generations. In fact, I can promise you none of that will happen eventually. Your money, achievements, possessions, even your name will be forgotten. But what you have done for Jesus will not. Nothing done in his name is pointless. The smallest act to bring Jesus to bear upon this world, every effort to make earth look a little more like heaven will prove eternally successful in the end. And so my final invitation this evening is the hope of success, a successful life. Would you like your life to matter beyond worldly success? You should. The problem with chasing success in the eyes of the world is nearly nobody achieves it, and the few who do must face the vanity of it. 
the rich and famous Jim Carrey said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous like me so they could see it's not the answer. Arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady said, why do I have all these Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I reached my dream, but I thank God, I think God, it's got to be more than this. They are right. There is more. And listen closely, here it is. You could follow the one who is fixing the world. Your life could be his instrument in a project of eternal significance. Now, it's at this point where even the most committed followers of Jesus might roll their eyes. Sounds great in theory, void of reality. I am trying to live for Jesus, but I don't see why it even matters. If anything, it seems my service in his name is pointless in this profoundly broken world. Well, let's return to our genealogy one last time. Do you think these people realize the significance of their lives? Do you really think they understood the magnitude of the effect they would have on history? Of course not. In fact, I guarantee you they were tempted to despair just like us. But here's the final truth of our passage that we desperately need to see. These people were being used by God in ways they could not fathom. He was writing his wondrous story of redemption through their lives even though they could not see it. It wasn't until that last name on this list was written that the full effect of their lives was realized. The advent of Jesus resurrected the significance of every generation leading up to him. And the same is now true for you. Do not give in to despair this Christmas. God is using you in ways you have no idea. But someday you will. Upon his second advent the final chapter of this genealogical story he is writing, when finally the world will be made right again, your generation, your name, your story will be an indispensable chapter of that story. Every name on this list was instrumental in his coming, and every name in this room is instrumental in his return. So what do we share in common with these random and forgotten Names. What is our connection? We share Christmas. We share Jesus. Like them, our sinfulness forgiven in Jesus, our significance remembered by Jesus, and our successfulness eternal through Jesus. Let me pray. O Lord, fill us with the glory and hope this Christmas that we belong to you and like the countless generations before us, we are carrying on that legacy, another generation. May we see how profoundly important that is. May we know our sins are forgiven. May we know we are significant in the eyes of heaven. And may we know that our lives are not pointless and meaningless, but are eternally successful through the work you are doing through us. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.